can't believe that you haven't seen it love it so much you really gotta stream it let me tell you every line right now i can quote the whole thing since i was 12 maybe your mom told you no she said she Hey, hey, hey! Welcome to another episode of Movies We Missed. I'm your host, Brandon Greenhouse, alongside my lovely adjacent co-host, Jane Courtney Hammer. And we are coming at you live and in color, once again, full of love, full of life. Before we get into the fun-filled episode, we do want to let everybody know, if you want to keep tabs on us, um, you can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook, at Movies We Missed. If you're a tweet, tweet, tweeter, tweet, Twitter warrior, social media you know, person, then you can find us over on Twitter at the number one rated by our parents' Twitter account at MWMChat. That is MWMChat. Um, and uh, we love talking with our fans over there. We love talking with our fans wherever we can. Mm. Jane loves talking with the fans. She talks with herself. Mm. Um, she really, like, gets herself revved up about things sometimes, you know. She mm. shouldn't. Uh, but, you know, I mean... <laughs> we're not perfect you know and love isn't perfect either um mm. which you know is a big part of the reason why we picked the movie we picked this week right well jane picked it um but jane how are you doing today i'm good waiting for my end to talk about the pain that i'm in brandon oh my god Wait, like physical pain the physical pain i'm in my neck oh my god so bad thank you for your really genuine concern i thought you were gonna make fun of me no because i wasn't i was like wait what's going on because we've been talking for like 15 (laughs) minutes and you've been powering through like like the queen that you are well you haven't been paying too much attention to me but every time i sort of i try not to yeah i every time i turn my head i i give a pain like uh, because it hurts so much well don't do that well, some of our listeners will like it, but it's... um. Save that for your OnlyFans. <laughs> it hurts so much. I, and, and I don't... I think it's it's been hurting for a couple of days. And don't worry, I've popped four Addies before we got on here. Ugh. Oh my God, um, that's so many, Jane. Because I'm in pain. Just like be an, careful because I don't want you to get like a stomach ulcer or anything. And uh, no, I think like you can get stuff to happen to your liver if you take too much ibuprofen or something. But I need it. You know, I, I wouldn't take it. If, did uh, you did you sleep like funny or do you think it was a was <sighs> whiplash from a car incident or something? I think I think it's a couple of things. And by the way, shout out JK I'm, Simmons, by the way. <laughs> what? Because of whiplash? Yeah, because he won oh. an Academy Award for that movie. Oh, I didn't know he won an Academy Award. I, I, now that <laughs> you mentioned it. He's decorated. He is, and I'm fully in support of that. He's great. Don't get confused by those, don't let those farmers, don't let those farmers insurance commercials <laughs> fool you. Those pockets Look, are lying. He's diversifying, getting money wherever he can, and I respect that, especially as an yeah, older money. person with, with neck problems. I get it. Um, <laughs> talking Oof. about whiplash. But yeah, I think I'm it's my pillows. I think it's really? my pillows. I do. And here's the thing. I've realized that now that I'm in my, you know, early 40s. to late 30s, oh. 30s, <laughs> okay. 
I can't just buy like the $3 Target pillows every once in a while. I've got to invest. But you know what? Pillows are too expensive these days. And I don't understand why if I search best Google, best, best pillow for stomach sleepers, I come up with a list of pillows that are like $150 each. Why do I have to do that? Here's the thing. Look, these are the things that you don't want to skimp on. Okay. okay. You don't want to skimp on shoes ever. Okay. It's That's worth true. it to spend the money. I always and then you don't want to and you don't want to skimp on anything to do with like the bed and sleep. Those are like well, the two things. And so I, you know, just start out by getting one. You don't have to like buy a bunch of them, but just start but out. But you know, like, I like like two, I like two pillows at least. No, I, I mean, that's the goal, but I'm just yeah. saying like maybe also a lot of these companies, I feel like, especially like, you know, when you get into this like bespoke, like, you know, startup shit, a lot of these companies, like they give you real, they have really good like return policies. So you like, know- oh, okay. Like they'll let you try it out and then you can return yeah, it. Try like- it out for like you know 30 or 60 days and then like if you don't like it then like show proof that you that you gave it to a local charity and then we'll just refund you the money (laughs) that kind of thing okay well they don't want it back not in this climate here's two things the first thing just one just give me one i'm gonna give it two uh the first thing is that i am famously bad at buying things and returning them i often buy things with the intention like if this doesn't look good on me or if this doesn't fit i'm gonna return them and then they sit in my closet and collect dust um and i lose money i get so particularly if it's a 30 day waiting period honey i'm just dealing you know what i mean here's one thing to know though if there's if it's if it is like if they because it also depends on how they return like like where Mm. you have to return through i have a usps box um not too far away from us so that's always a really easy return for me it's just Mm. to throw it back in the mail when it's something you know like a shirt that you can just i'm also real careful when i open anything because i know i may be going returning a sender (laughs) not me not when i not when I get caught up in the eBay stuff, though. That's yours. <laughs> but um, but when I buy from an actual company. But also, you have a... Well, I'm not giving away your business, but there's a Walgreens not too far away from where you live, and they take... Mm-hmm. You can do all your FedEx returns there. When so, I tell you it is not about ease of... Oh, um, I thought that's what it was. It's it's not about ease of the task. It's about the fact that, like, I am just bad at taking the task on. So Got it. part of... I'm sure my ADHD heads know what it's like, but there's... Is a very you large. Have ADHD? Oh my god! I've told you so many times I've ADHD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Wow, he doesn't listen to me, and I think you folks should listen to me. I've probably said it on this podcast before. I don't know. I have aggressive ADHD, and one of the things about ADHD is like having trouble like procrastinating and taking on like even simple tasks, like procrastinating so long on them that like you know something that should take you four minutes is now taking you four months, you know? So I struggle with that. That's why I have to set myself up for success and buying things, thinking I'm going to return them is just me lying to myself. Is one of the ADHD, ADHD symptoms putting on makeup bad? (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Why? Cause my makeup looks perfect. No, I wasn't talking about you. I was just thinking about somebody else. I can't even believe. No, I'm the- joking. I'm just, I'm just teasing. No, I'm just teasing. No, your, your skin game is, is impeccable. Thank you. Morals. Thank you. Skin. <laughs> flawless. 
Um, Anyways, this is so boring for people. I'm sure they don't care. They know you're a geriatric millennial, and they know the struggle (laughs) is real. I just don't want to pay a lot for a pillow is all I'm saying, but I have neck pain, so I'm going to have to do it. I gave you a hard time, but I know what you mean, because it's like a weird thing. I won't say it's like spending money on something that you won't see, because you'll absolutely see and feel it. Like, Mm -hmm. um, And when you lay your head down at night, when you put your head on the pillow... Mm-hmm. You know, I have and I, I have like weird neck stuff too. Sometimes the pillows that I sleep with, sleep with, I've got a bunch of pillows that are for show, and then I've got two oh, yeah. struggle, and I've got two struggle pillows that I sleep with. Three, <laughs> and Dave hates them, and he's tried to throw them away before, and it ain't happening, Captain. Like these pillows have been through the ringer. And but they, they have are, been loyal to you and you've been loyal to them, it sounds like. Well, they're like, they're almost not pillows. They're so <laughs> flat and they've been beaten so intensely by just like life in the world. But that's what I need because I because I can nook my head in there yeah. in the flatness. Um, are you, what are you, a side sleeper, a stomach sleeper? I like to sleep on my side uh, mixed in with some stomach. I don't think I can actually. I'm heavy stomach. True. I don't think I can actually fall to sleep unless I'm on my stomach. But once I fall to sleep, mm-hmm. then I can, then I can, then it's side to side to side yes, all night. Like, guess what happens. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. is just back and forth all night. Back. Occasional little stomach moment. It is never back. Mm-hmm. Never that. It is never unless back. I absolutely- Unless I was in a situation physically with my body, like where I got implants or something like breast mm-hmm. implants and I had mm-hmm. to sleep on my back. I, yeah. And Do even you then, have I'm to sure sleep on your back with breast implants? I would assume when you first get them, you probably do, right? You well, can't sleep on yeah. you can't sleep on top of your stomach with fresh incisions and stuff, right? Like, I, well, I'm sure, and, yeah, yeah. I just meant like you know after they heal and stuff. Is that something? It you feels have like to something do? That I don't know if doctors say, but it also feels like a doctor would be like, "Don't make me have to tell you that." <laughs> like, you didn't know that once you got like intense breast augmentation that you couldn't put the hundreds of pounds of your human body weight <laughs> on top of like. That fresh work I just did, get fucking real. <laughs> like, it's the same way that I would feel like you couldn't sleep on like you couldn't sleep on like your butt after you get like a BBL. I would think you no, have to I'm sleep sure. on your stomach. So probably, I, right? so the only time I am definitely a stomach sleeper and a side sleeper, but the only time I've ever had to sleep on my back, like because I couldn't move, is I had a lot of hip surgery and ap- mm. I've had hip surgery several times, and after each surgery. You, I can't lay on my side. I can't, lay, I, you know, I have to sleep on my back. And those are like, for like weeks while you heal and sleep on your back, it's like the worst night's sleep ever. I mean, not so only sure. have you just had surgery and you're like on different kinds of drugs and, you know, waking up at all weird hours of the night, but still. And it's terrors too, probably too. Like night terrors and stuff, I'm sure you do. Um, no, I didn't really experience a lot of night terrors, but maybe that's true for some people. Do you have a sleep paralysis demon? <laughs> um, I do have one that comes to visit me and actually to be honest um, <laughs> looks very similar to you you're welcome <laughs> um, yeah you're welcome uh, and um, you know speaking of sleep paralysis demon um, <laughs> I got something that brought me back to life mm. um, and it was you know our movie this week um, the sweetest it was thing. 2002's Sweetest Thing or Un Sugar uh, Ocones, <laughs> if you were speaking in French. Uh, um, is, that, is that what you would do? You you say yes. Un Sugar? Yeah. Do you want to finish it? How would you say it? I just said it. It's Un Sugar Ocones. Ocones? Yeah. Why? Where did you come up with that? 
<laughs> I think it. I think it is occurrence in English, but it, you know some of the words. Oh, I see. I see. I see. I see. I see. The sweetest yeah. thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's okay. the way that you know. That's, that's the way a, that, that I was heard how it. it was released in France. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, with uh, one joke that was taken out for that uh, Costa Rican release. Oh yeah, I did see that. I just yeah. left it I mean, in for like, the American release, though. Well, I was going to say, if you have to take it out for release in one country, how about we just take it out for all countries? <laughs> it, that's the thing. It's, it's so funny because it's like if you're going to say something fucking racist in your like, say it I in love the room with everybody, or idea. say it in the room, or don't say it at all. You know what I mean? Which chest? I yeah. feel like I feel like if you're like sitting around and you're thinking like they're really going to hate this, and there's like nobody who's like, <laughs> let's interrogate why. <laughs> and then do we not think Americans are going to hate it in the same way? Are they going right. to love it? Is it context or is it just objectively like a racist thing? Right. And These let me questions. tell you, it's not context. <laughs> um, so, well, yeah. why don't I um, start by reading our little friends a little synopsis about everything that goes on within this movie. I would love nothing more. Just- I did. I did happen to put pen to paper and create um, what some may call a masterpiece. Um, oh, a we got a pen and a pad like um, Dr. Dre over here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you mad? I got a pen and a pad trying to get this fucking label off. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about a geriatric millennial. Well, Dr. Dre, did that date me? <laughs> yes, it fucking dated you. <laughs> well, everybody knows it still hits. Mm-hmm. Uh Okay, but you go for it, Jenny. Okay. Christina Walters is the fiercely independent, insanely confident, goofy, good time gal that every man wants and every woman wants to be. She's crushing it at her job. She's a 28-year-old interior designer, which I learned not from the movie, but from Wikipedia, because even though we spend several weeks with her in this movie... We never see her work. She doesn't go into work, talk about work, think about work, or mention even one responsibility she might bear as a successful interior designer. But one thing we know is that she makes money. She's got a nice, well-furnished apartment in the heart of San Francisco, a designer wardrobe, and money to go to the club on a pretty regular basis. She also has two best friends who mean the world to her. On one side, we have Courtney Rockcliffe, the no-nonsense divorce lawyer who's a confident risk-taker and works just as fucking hard as she plays. On the other side, we have Jane Burns, a kind, if not slightly insecure, retail worker who somehow seems pretty rich too, despite the fact that retail workers in the United States are famously underpaid. But Maybe it's family money. Who knows? One night, the three BFFs decide to hit the club to to cheer up Jane. She's just been dumped by her boyfriend, and the other girls know the fastest way to get over a guy (laughs) is to get under another one. Am I right, sisters? While trying to find Mr. Right Now for Jane, Christina grabs a chunk of some guy's ass and tries to make a love connection between him and Jane. As soon as he turns around, the sparks fly, but not for Jane and this mystery dude, but for Christina and the mystery dude. We come to find out that his name is actually Peter, and he's there celebrating his brother's bachelor party. His brother and their friends are leaving, but not before inviting Christina to an after party at the hotel. Christina waffles back and forth, but in the end decides not to go. 
Regretting her decision to miss her last and only chance to see Peter again, she mentions to Courtney something she learned from her brief but significant interaction with Peter. His brother's wedding is next Saturday in Somerset. She knows it would be crazy to show up at a man's brother's wedding that she barely knows, so it's out of the question. They are not going. Cut to them on the road. If you thought these hashtag girl bosses wouldn't take the opportunity to make a complete fool of themselves in front of total strangers on the off chance that this average, boring, straight white guy might be the one, then you haven't been paying attention. They experience many shenanigans on the way out of town that delay their progress, but just as they show up to the church on time, they're hit with the cold, hard truth. They haven't just crashed Peter's brother's wedding. These daring divas have crashed Peter's wedding. What's a bad bitch to do? Do they make a scene and ruin Peter's life? Do they quietly exit and realize that following a stranger to a wedding is weird and bad and really inappropriate? Do they realize that all men are trash and not to be trusted? Or does a chance encounter bring them back together at some point, even though they have zero understanding of who the other person is? Because they have truly never spent more than 10 minutes together in this entire movie. Who knows how it will all end when these boss babes are running the show in 2002's The Sweetest Thing. Mm, mm, it hurts so good. Mm, Jane, it you covered a lot of it. Um, mm-hmm. I'll start out with hitting you with the facts real quick. This movie okay. was released on April 21st, 2002. It had a budget of $43 million and a box office total of around 68. It is worth Ooh. noting that... The movie, apparently the budget was around 50, I think, which includes like advertising and everything. Mm-hmm. I think that they that I saw that a third of the movie's budget went to Cameron Diaz's salary, which <laughs> I, I thought was, too. I mean, appropriate. I mean, yeah. it feels correct. I mean, she was that girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, Cameron, Cameron does her thing. Although, I mean, shout out for like, I think this was a, a part of like the career resurgence in a way of like Christina Applegate. Um, who I mean, did not really like resurgence because like this was 2002. Married with Children had ended in like '97, I believe, and then and then she had that show on NBC called Jesse for like a couple seasons. So, oh my god, I forgot about that entire mm -hmm. thing. So she moved sort of. I think that ended like a year or two before this. So I mean, Christina was working, but I mean, this was sort of like a big budget movie. Um, that I think put her back sort of on people's radar in a big way. Um, My number one question when I was watching this movie was, (laughs) did Cameron Diaz make them give Christina Applegate brown hair? Um, (laughs) That was your number one question. (laughs) That was the first thing I thought. I was like, our girl rarely rocks this brown. I'm wondering whose choice this was. Something tells me. Maybe the the person at the top of the call sheet was like... I'm not I'm not competing with these two. They need to be brown heads. And at brown heads. <laughs> I don't know if like anybody should ever use the term brown heads. I don't know if it's a real saying, but it doesn't sound good for I've anybody. I've heard it before. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't. It like it feels racist, but it's not actually like you're it, like. And I don't know why though. I really don't know ta- why it feels that way. If you're talking about if you're talking about hair, for sure, it doesn't feel. It's not racist. But if you say it without context, and I walked by somebody and I heard someone say brown heads, I would be like, oh, okay, those are a group of racist people, and that's but a also new like slur who were they that talking? I just but also, my first thought would be, who were they talking to? 
And you look outside and you see a group of brunettes walking by. Yeah, but I, if I didn't have the context that they were talking about hair, I if never, you, I, no, no, no. If I didn't have the context they were talking about hair, I never would think that they were talking about hair. If never. you walk, if you were at a club or something and you heard somebody say, oh, it's disgusting. This is already fantasy because I don't look, go. <laughs> you, yeah, you're not invited club. to go out a lot, but in this fantasy <laughs> world. That I'm not um, invited. I'm just not heading to the club. Okay, but go ahead. She doth protest. Um, but you're at this fictional club you're invited to, and you hear somebody be like, "Oh my god, this place is this place is drowning in brownheads tonight." And you I look out think- on the dance floor and you see a group of <laughs> you see a group of <laughs> Caucasian women littering the dance floor with random hues of of browns and chestnuts of, of chestnuts and maybe even ambers. Ambers more red, but you know they get clumped in. Yeah, you know, and would you be like, would you be like, whoa, hold on. What did you just say? And then it'd be like, you, you know, you heard me. Look at all those bitches out there with that brown, with those brown heads. And we're and saying like, there's it's only white women. There's a couple of black women in the corner. OK, see, then I just would I would I would instantly think that they were saying something racist. But they were talking about those. Do you think that's because you're obsessed with race? No, I think because I expect most white people to be racist. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> Particularly in groups when it's just white people, I expect you would know. I've never been in those groups. <laughs> well, you know, I have a tendency to, um, obviously, <laughs> as we've learned from this podcast, scream let yourself about. off the hook. Yes, let myself off a hook because I just say um, my best friend. I just say my best friend is black, and then that absolves you instantly. Exactly, and then I say whatever. And I then want. Is that why I get? So, is that why I get so many calls from random people <laughs> that are just like at the grocery store and they're like, "Hey, is this blonde woman next to me?" Um, mentioned that she had a. Well, when I was a, a brunette, they said this brown head. <laughs> this brown head next to me. Um, who keeps trying to convince me that her hair is actually blonde and she dyed it this color. Um, yeah, she's saying something about having a black friend. And I just, I want to know if you can confirm. Uh, and then they make me do the black test and all that. Uh, but yeah, no, it was sh- all that to say that it was, you know, it was interesting seeing Christina take on the, take on the brunette role. And, then, the they, brunette. and then they decided that some they were like, if you're going to be light <laughs> some Blair probably came in and was like, I'm gonna I want to do like red, maybe. There's no redhead in the group. And they're like, no, 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 baby. That's still attention. Some of Blair's signature hair color is the dark is, is like is, a dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that dark? It's like a dark, dark, dark but brown. yeah. I'm sure once again Cameron Diaz was like, not on my watch. There will not be a redhead <laughs> in this movie. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. It's blonder bus, baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that was one of my first notes was, huh, I wonder how this came to be. I will um, say that her hair looked incredible throughout this movie. Which one? Um, Christina's, uh, uh, well, Cameron Diaz. And there was a point where like, after they got like soaking wet and then they, they were on the road trip and their hair dried naturally and it looked absolutely perfect i was like that is not naturally dried hair after being soaked like randomly in the bathroom also it was really funny because that was like the thing when i watch movies like this i have those moments where i'm like i guess it is like sort of like a distinct time period like i don't yes. think of it and i know that my I, the, the reason why i grapple with it is because i'm old but mm-hmm. like when i watch movies like this i'm always like oh yeah this was 20 years ago unbelievable um, 
And yeah, the very first scene, I love club scenes in movies from the early like aughts. The very first scene in the movie is like them getting let into this this club by these bouncers. And like the line is just littered with with women. And, like, and With what? I said with nobodies. With nobodies, of course, <laughs> because they literally just walk up to the club and they get let in. And this line is just like full of furious people. But everybody in the line and then inside the club is wearing like those sequin like halter tops and like yes. the spaghetti strap moments and the camisoles that like haunted us as a, as a culture for we're still recovering. We're still recovering. And now they're coming back. And the lowest cut pants you've ever seen in your life, like the low cut jeans, like Cam is wearing these like satin-esque red pants that are like every second you're in danger of seeing her ass crack. They are. There's a lot. There's a lot of there's a lot of that. I did find myself at times distracted by Mm -hmm. like Cameron, by Cameron Diaz's like torso, because it was like. Mm Fully on display. I also thought to myself, like, what's that like to just be a person who just like goes out and doesn't have to worry about if they eat a hoagie or not? Like, I everything's have gonna... no idea. I cannot everything... offer anything in that regard. <laughs> it's like she's it's like you're just like walking around with that belly out and you are just like, I know it's tight. And, <laughs> and I know if I drink this water and I eat some rice before I'm not taking a trip to Bloville. Everything's like, going to be fine. Nobody will be able to know. And I'm, and this is this. So, okay. So actually this is, that's not the first scene in the movie. The first scene in the movie to correct you oh, is you're right. this weird interview style thing that it's like, so- I feel like sex in the city started where it was oh, like, this is okay. how, this is how we're going to have real interviews with real people. And it's like interviewing all of these guys about who Christina Walters is. And I don't understand how it has anything to do with the rest of the movie because it's like Christina Walter. She's like, they they basically just give you a character description that she's like, she's she's a man eater. She's a man eater. She's fierce. She's fun. She's crazy. She's beautiful. And she's, you know, taking every man between her thighs all day, every day. But like, she's not into a relationship. And I'm just like, what is, what is this crew? Who are these people talking to? Like, it doesn't relate to the story because there's no like other documentary style thing too. And I feel like sex in the city did this in the first season. And, I and felt then they so abandoned it. Yeah. It. Yeah. It, it, it also was interesting because it wasn't, it, it, it didn't give a, get us anywhere because it wasn't no. actually the character. Like it feels like this was done separately. And then maybe they decided that they didn't want to take the character in this direction, but it didn't feel like a, a representation of who she was because she wasn't really a man eater. She was a carefree woman who wasn't really concerned about relationships, but she wasn't like going through a series of men and her like desire to be in a relationship all of a sudden, potentially with this guy wasn't like at the expense of all these other relationships or these other entanglements that she was involved in. She was just a single woman. And then like all of a sudden she's like decides to be with this guy, but she seemed to be really focused on like her friendships and her fictional job. And so it seemed weird that like (laughs) they sort of put that in the beginning and then they decided like, or Cameron Diaz came on the project and was like, this isn't the way that I want to approach it. It's also, but also it's, 
one's not in the script either because it's like not she, supported you don't by the script. See her doing anything but like having a good time at the club and like flirting with maybe a couple of dudes. But like that's it. Like that doesn't make you a man eater. <laughs> not at all. I mean, she's a woman who has a sense of agency and like right. that's really it. And so they're like, oh, she's she's determined. Um it's also really funny because I because I sort of was curious about this and I read an interview with uh, Nancy Pimenthal, Pimenthal mm-hmm. and it was just her talking about she's the writer of the movie, the, the writer. Yeah. The writer of the film. And she was just talking about things being lost in translation. And she talked a little bit about like her role in the process sort of being not diminished, but just a smaller role. But she also talks right. about that being very standard for the time. And like, mm-hmm. that wasn't like an unusual thing, but she talks about how if she were to approach this movie now, she would have wanted to have more of an like engagement with the process of making the film because she talks about sort of like a very specific vision that she had for the movie. She cites like Monty Python a lot. That was like a really big inspiration for her in making this film. And she talks, there's one section where she talks about a scene that was actually cut from the movie and only on the DVD. Um, it's the penis song. I don't know if you've yeah. ever heard the penis. It's, it's a song. It, yeah. It's a song that they sing about penises in the movie. Um, and it's sort of like they're sending, they're, they're, they're sending up like female sexuality, which they do a lot of in the movie in this sort of very playful, cheeky way at this restaurant. I think there's an interpolation of um, I'm Too Sexy by Right Said Fred that they're using as like a bass for a song. Mm. Um and that's basically like your penis is too big. Your penis is too big. Yeah. And it's sort of like that. But she talks about how that was actually the opposite of what she wanted. She was like, they really leaned into the humor of like over sexualizing like yes. the penis, but she wanted it actually to be like, she wanted it sound like to me for that moment to be sort of like these really beautiful women not approaching it from a sexual angle at all. She wanted it to be like two completely different, like diametrically opposed things like working together. So she Mm. was, she was going, she cited Jenny McCarthy sort of, you know, the early Jenny McCarthy, like those images of her as like this very beautiful woman who wasn't, who wasn't afraid to get like dirty and like be gross. Like that was sort of what she was going for. So she wanted to be sort of opposed to what the song was about as opposed to leaning so far into the sexuality of it. But she talked about that being something throughout the movie that I actually in reading the article I thought I feel like the movie kind of did that but I think that maybe she wanted it to go even further in that direction than like than like it did she really wanted to play up like I think those moments like when the girls are on the road on the road trip and like they're like you know in their dirty underwear and like they're dancing around the car and like those kind of things I think she really wanted she wanted to, to, to up the gross factor she keeps saying I have the same sense of humor as like a 12 year old boy in the article Mm-hmm. And she's like, I really wanted it to be like grosser than like. But this isn't sexy. this this isn't what came across, and it was interesting watching it the second like as an adult now because okay. this came out when I was in high school, and like I a had no idea what it was like to be a twenty eight year old woman like living on your own or whatever, and I thought this movie was so fucking funny when I first saw it, and I was like, mm-hmm. ah, this this must be what it's like to be a woman and own your sexuality in a male dominated world, which is something that was really I think like important and. Uh, like a conversation that was happening a lot during this time in particular and something that I related to because that was something that like I wanted in my own life Mm -hmm. and seeing all of these women um, 
you know, not just in this movie, but in other pieces of media talk about their sexuality, like sex in the city and be unashamed of, you know, like the whole premise behind sex in the city is like the first scene was like, I just want to try having sex like a man. And what does that mean? And blah, blah, blah. And just basically being able to be in charge of, of, what you like and what you want. And, you know, again, having agency as a sexual being, as opposed to just like being, you know, a cum dumpster, um, (laughs) which I think is an important, important distinction for women, particularly as you're growing up. But like seeing this now, when I understand that so much more as an adult and having gone through my whole own journey with it, it's like what came across on the screen to me was like a bunch of people, it, it it all felt very like try hard to me. Like everything was like, I'm so fun and I'm so fucking sexy and I don't give a fuck about anything and blah, blah, blah. And, but it was through the male gaze. So it was still very, very sexy. Like them women sitting around, like talking about how Cameron Diaz talking about how her boobs aren't perky anymore as perky as they were when she was 22. And she's sitting there moving her boobs up and down, you know, in in the um, dressing room mirror Mm -hmm. and talking to um, Christina Applegate about that. And I was like, she looks incredible. And like this conversation is not, it's not a real conversation between two women about their bodies. It's a man filming woman being like, blah, blah, blah. Let me, let me hold my boobs and move them up and down, up and down in front of the screen. Like that's not a conversation that I would have with my girlfriends in any real way. You know what I mean? And like dancing around in your dirty underwear and being just like, Oh my God, look at all these shenanigans we got in, but like, this is our favorite song. So let's dance around. That was absolutely within the male gaze. It was like, these women aren't dirty. They're hot women in their underwear. And they're joking about how Cameron Diaz had a joke about how she's like wearing granny panties or whatever. I think it was for like, cause it was laundry day. They were still like very like, and and same thing with Christina Applegate. She was wearing like male briefs, um, boxer briefs or whatever. And like they both looked very, very hot. We were not upping the dirty factors at all underneath the male gaze and like definitely from the male perspective. And so I was really interested to find out that it was written by a woman and directed by a man because whatever she was trying to do was usurped obviously. And, um, you know, clearly she wasn't a huge part of like the finished product, which maybe had like the essence of what she was trying to say, but was totally, um, flipped into this like sexy, raunchy comedy with girls at the helm. One of the things that she said about, about the making of the film is it was a part of it was inspired by, um, by a place that she worked at um, on Sunset Plaza called La Petite Four, which was this restaurant that was apparently all women. It was, um, they wouldn't even hire men, which she says they never said, because that's illegal. But like, that was like the understanding. And whenever a man would apply for a job, the owners would just say, you're not qualified. And then they just would like not hire them. And it was like all women, the entire place. And she talks about, she made all of this money working there. And she says, there was this group of, this was an entertainment weekly um, interview Mm -hmm. that uh, she did. And they said, there was this, she said, there was this group of girls and we were running around town and partying at these different clubs and just owning our womanhood, I guess. It's not 
like we were really sleeping around with any of them or anything, but we were just owning our womanhood. I just thought, God, there's not an example of this sort of like girl posse where we're more like guys. Yeah, we decided if we want to give you a fake number or not kind of thing. There wasn't this there wasn't this empowerment, I guess, or this example of it. Anyway, that's really how it started. And so she's talking about sort of this idea of like empowerment that was behind the movie and she's talking a lot as i said earlier because she says it a lot she brings up money python a lot like that john cleese and like the ways in which they think about comedy and they put these sort of disparate elements together to make something funny like that sort of hyper reality like i mean it's it's farce i mean it's farce it's over the top it's tongue-in-cheek um i think that that was more what she was going for and something maybe a bit more subversive but i will say as a person who's never seen this movie before obviously i do not i'm not a woman and i do not have that perspective on it but i enjoyed it more than i thought i would Initially, mm-hmm. not knowing what I was getting into, Cameron Diaz and Christina Applegate are both really formidable talents, and like they mm-hmm. have such great comedic timing and chemistry. And mm-hmm. I think they do something really special together. And I think that that's a part of why it works. And Selma Blair as well, obviously. Selma Blair is wonderful too. But I think that the three of them have this sort of like chemistry that like helps to sort of up like to like I guess like elevate what's going on and i Mm -hmm. think that from what i read it it didn't feel like she felt like this is 100 not what i wanted but she did feel like there were tonal elements that were lost in translation and and that's the phrase that she uses and i'm not saying yeah i'm not saying that it's not like there are parts of it that i understand and i understand what she's trying to say because i have i experienced a lot of that when i was growing up within my 20s too as like um, particularly I had the experience of working in a restaurant, not necessarily with all women, but like, you know, when I was in my really early twenties and all of us going out together all the time and like having fun and flirting with people and making out with people and just having a great time. Like I worked in Wrigleyville, which is like, um, <laughs> of, of it's it, it's a place in Chicago that is like has a lot of bars and and clubs and stuff like that and so I would always go out afterwards and um it was very close to um you know it, it was a super fun time in my life for sure and I remember that but I and I also feel a connection to like being sort of like someone who has like a kind of grotesque sense of humor at times and pushes the envelope and that kind of stuff. But I think what was missing from this is there was not a lot of personality aside from that, from these characters. Mm -hmm. So it's, that's what felt like very, like the whole thing was just trying too hard to Mm -hmm. be this sort of like independent woman, you know, whatever. But it didn't come across as an adult who has gone through that as being very real, particularly I was noticing on the road trip too, that Cameron Diaz and Christina Applegate take to go crash this wedding for this average fucking Thomas Jane character. who Like we don't know anything about, um, scene after scene after scene after scene it was just them doing something silly and sexy silly and sexy silly and sexy and both of those things were happening and i was like thinking like can one of them get diarrhea can one of them you know like is there something that just isn't that happens to them that is like a funny scenario that doesn't that isn't sexy you know what i mean like we couldn't get through it without having an element of them being super sexy. And I was like, 
you know, I was thinking about like in bridesmaids, you know, when they're all trying on the bridesmaids dresses and they all get fucking diarrhea. That is one of the funniest fucking scenes in a movie. And it doesn't have to be shit related, <laughs> but I'm just saying like that just popped into my head. It doesn't have to be shit related, but that is a scene of a, a group of women having a very comedic like thing happened to them, which uh, is the same humor as like 12 year old boys that, you know, this writer was talking about that has zero elements of sexuality in it. And I'm like, I need some of that to mix in with these women owning their sexuality because at a certain point, this movie, which isn't that long, just comes off as, you know, as caricatures because you can't constantly be running around owning your sexuality all day every day sometimes you get diarrhea that's so funny this is so interesting because i think i had such a different experience with this movie which obviously speaks to like our perspectives on it and like i totally get what you're saying but i also had no other like i had no other relationship to it that i had to like negotiate also and that's a big part of it Mm -hmm. um it's funny because dave and i both enjoyed it more than we thought we would and Again, this is also- not to say. Wait, 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 this is not to say. I still enjoyed this movie. Okay. I still, I still liked watching it, and I still like laughed at the jokes and was like, "This is funny and fun." But through the lens of like a a, a very different one than I originally watched this movie for sure no i I was just gonna say dave and i really enjoyed it i think more than we thought we would and we also were like this is a perfect pace perfectly paced movie totally because all of a sudden it was over and it was like yeah we feel like it was enough time i found myself feeling like they were i get what you're saying and i totally think that those are valid i found myself feeling like they were it felt very meta to me like as a film and it Mm. felt it felt very much like they were in on the joke of like like I know what like I know what you think. I, I felt like they were turning like they were sending it up, but I also feel like what you're saying is I feel like I feel like they could have sent it up more than they did. Mm-hmm. And yes. I think that like because that's what I was saying about like because it's Cameron Diaz and Christina Applegate in particular, I think mm-hmm. that like they're they're very intelligent like people. And I think that like they figured out a way to like add in like something that's sort of happening under there's mm-hmm. like a there's because there's a way that I feel like at times when like Cameron Diaz gives over to it completely, it mm-hmm. leaves the category of of sex and it does what you brought up, which is it becomes a caricature of sexuality. There's like a there's a way in which they like turn it up like a couple of notches over what you would expect for it to just be like sort of like. like moments of sexuality that lie flat and it moves into this manic territory Mm. and it becomes almost uncomfortable. And I feel, and for me as a viewer, I appreciated that because I felt like that was their way of like letting us know, like, yeah, you are watching us do this sexual thing, but we're going to do it to a degree that Mm -hmm. it moves into almost like this fun house, like presentation of like, of like right femininity. And like that to me was interesting. And that was what made it kind of funny to me at times. Like in some of the moments that I found myself laughing at, but I also feel like I get what you're saying because I feel like there's a way that they could have leaned into it even further and it could have made Mm -hmm. it like even funnier and in the hands of like a director that, you know, obviously we're talking about a movie made in 2002. Mm -hmm. Uh, The writer was not a part of the, of the time period. We've got a male director who's Mm -hmm. got like three of like the hottest actresses of the time, both like Mm -hmm. figuratively and literally. And like, 
I'm sure was like, let's get you, let's get you in that bikini top, Cam. Right, exactly. When are you you taking those pants off? Um, Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sure that that was like a big part of it. But like, there were like some really like great moments, like the movie montage scene that I thought was actually quite funny. Um, In particular, Christina Applegate as Julia Roberts. That (laughs) was that was the best part of that. Actually, that I I was Um, like, she's that was so funny as her her Julia Roberts was great. um, But I feel like that like like more of those moments could have been like really funny i had like there were it you know dave and i kept saying because i was watching it and at one point i was like who directed this because it almost felt like a fairly brothers movie to me and Mm. i thought oh this is giving me like dumb and dumber like me myself and irene like that sort of like crass humor that the fairly brothers are known for it didn't go completely there though it didn't go completely there because those movies get like Something about well, I guess something about Mary Karen Diaz, but like yeah. those movies really, I know you know go there, and these are and also Applegate and Diaz, they both play, they both do a lot of that type of comedy in mm-hmm. other movies, Anchorman, um, as well, like where mm-hmm. it goes over the top. Uh, but I think that this movie could have benefited from like maybe like really leaning into like like understanding that you have that you have the space to lean into the gross part of it, sort of a bit more. Um, yeah, and and just I, I just didn't feel like these were real people. Oh, I, I, but I didn't think they were supposed to be real people. Was the thing with me, right? Which, uh, but that I think that's where I'm like, either make these people real people or go so over the top and like, you know, that I'm actually like grossed out as opposed to being like, look at these hot girls dance around with a hose. You know what I mean? And I think that leaning into it and just making them ideas of people and archetypes that we're just sort of like watching move through the world maybe would have helped it to be a bit more successful as mm-hmm. as far as like sort of like introducing us to this sort of like hyper-realistic world. Like let's lean into the craziness of it. Let's be like a bit, let's be a bit more tongue in cheek and let's be a bit more subversive and like, totally. So I do get what you're saying. Like, And there are these moments where I feel like there's something that could happen that could take us there, but it doesn't like, there's the moment in the bathroom, which was actually quite funny. I thought, obviously (laughs) I understood like the fact that it was like, it was um it was the male sort of like commenting on like this idea of what's happening in the women's bathroom and like sending that up. But like right. I felt like I don't know how, but I felt like that could have been a funnier moment, but it did make me laugh. Like it, it made me moment, laugh too. And all of it made me laugh. Absolutely. But it was the moment in the bathroom where Christina Applegate is in the bathroom and she's adjusting um She's wearing that nineteen. She's wearing that that late nineteen nineties vest and those those low cut those low cut pants, baby. And it's like a it's like a brown suede vest. And she is adjusting her her breasts. And then this woman, which is like so, this woman, I was just like, what is she doing? Um, she's like walking. She's like standing over the shoulder, and she's like, first of all, and also like, not that it's about this, but like. Christina Applegate totally just had like regular size breasts. So I thought it was really funny that this woman was like, your breasts are so amazing. Can I touch them? And it was like, I mean, yeah, they're nice boobs, but like to the extent that you're walking up to a stranger in the bathroom, like I've never seen anything like this in my life. Like I'm going to comment on it and I'm going to break all social, I'm going to break all social boundaries. Can I touch your breasts? Um, (laughs) And then it becomes this thing of these women just like groping her breasts as she's just continuing to like have this conversation with Courtney, who is, it gets confusing. Courtney, Christina is Courtney and 
Cam and Diaz is Christina. Yeah, <laughs> but, I just in my I mean, head I just call them Cam, Cam and Christina. Yeah, because Cam and Christina like, are having this conversation, and these women are all just like ogling her, and she's just like not ogling her. her. They're, no, they're fondling. No, they're, no, they're fondling her. They're fondling yeah. her bosom, and then two men who are walking by as the bathroom door is like slowly closing, but it's still a little ajar. They catch a glimpse of it, and it's like they're like wild animals trying to like see what's going on in the bathroom, and they just keep saying, "I told you, man. I told you that's what happened when they went to the bathroom." together and it's a it's like a funny scene but i do agree with you that it's like it it's like it could do more it could be more absolutely i just think you know i i rolled my eyes a lot while watching it because this is so funny because it's this is so funny to me because it's your movie but i feel I like yeah i feel like i enjoyed it more than you did I which is think- unusual for our podcast it is unusual. Not, normally, like, um, not impossible though. I mean, it happens. No, but normally you you really don't like. Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you get through my movies, but part of my joy too is like assigning movies I know you're gonna have a lot of beef with, and I actually I didn't think that you would have a lot of beef with this one, but I was just curious about your take. But it's un it's 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 unusual that you and I have such a different like experience with the movie too. Because I so, think oh sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just gonna say I think that like this is interesting though this movie because I know about this movie, so yeah. like I knew about it and I know that it's a lot of people's one of a lot of people's like favorite <laughs> movies. Mm-hmm. So like I know a lot of people who love this movie and that was mm-hmm. a part of why when you first um suggested to me i was like yeah that's a movie i've never seen before but i know so many people love it and i remember in high mm-hmm. school like friends quoting this movie like yes it has people our age love that love this movie and i think you know it's interesting if uh, i wonder i wonder if i would have I, I think a lot of my growing up and being like uh, uh, there's like a sense of disappointment in the world of like growing up and seeing all these movies where life is going, where, where I think is like a window into, or I thought was a window into an adulthood that I was going to experience. And then I realized like, Oh, my experience was so different. And I feel like I'm being sold something in this movie that isn't real, that I haven't seen other people experience that isn't all fun and games and sexy water fights. You know what I mean? And so I think there is a frustration for me, not a frustration really. And that's like too strong of a word, but like a disappointment that I'm like, huh, I saw this and I thought, Oh my God, being 28 and single and like, you know, having my own sexual agency is going to be so fun and so interesting. And to a degree it was, but a very, there's also like a very intensely, you know, difficult part of your twenties that I feel like just, you don't get with these kinds of movies and this isn't that movie. I realize that, but I think maybe um, growing up and seeing these things and thinking I'm going to experience them in the same way. And then realize like, Oh, you're going to be really poor in your twenties. And like, you're not going to be able to like, you know, wear all the clothes you want to, you know, all the designer clothes you want and go to the 
clubs whenever you want and stuff like that. I don't know. I don't know. I I don't, this isn't like a well-formed thought, but I'm just realizing it now, you know, there's, I mean, you know, sometimes like revisiting like movies that like, you know, had you thinking I always I thought that high school was going to be like can't hardly wait. And like that did not happen. Me too. Me too. And it was like it was not the goobers weren't really like ruling the roost. Um, but yeah, no, I know what you mean. Like you you have this feeling that it's going to be like this moment or you have this memory of like a film and like you have to sort of like deal with the fact that like. It's just like not what you what you thought it was. And I and maybe it's more that. I don't know what I'm like yammering on about when it comes to this movie. I don't know what about what about it I wanted it to be and and what about it it wasn't for me this time around, but there was just something really lacking when I was like, man, I, I think it was that it was tr- it, it, for me, it felt like it was trying so hard to be super funny. And I don't mm. really like it when I can feel an effort behind the comedy, too. And I really felt a ton of effort behind the comedy without a lot of authenticity. I think that's what it is. And I think I interpreted the the effort that you felt as that sort of like manic energy that I'm talking about that yeah, yeah, constantly yeah. made me aware of the fact that like I was... It was like the thing about this movie, which I think is some of what you're talking about for me was that it never let me forget that it was a movie yeah and like it mm-hmm. was and it and it was like i felt like the movie was in on the joke of the, of what it was that was the mm-hmm. thing for me that i so i think we interpreted the same thing in different ways yeah because yeah, i yeah. definitely felt that thing about it which was the thing that made me feel like it felt otherworldly because it was like the circumstances and where they lived and what they were wearing it all of that was very like normal and like every day but like mm-hmm. there was something in the energy of like yeah. the characters, you know, in particular our two female leads, um, three female leads that like really sort of like gestured towards like the fact that like this isn't real life. Like no. we are, you know, and it also was really funny at the very end of the movie. But I didn't get that when I was, you know, 15. Of course. No, I get it. <laughs> I also, there's a moment at the end of the movie because they do the whole like blooper reel thing. So you get a little yeah. bit of what, mm-hmm. and there's a moment because I, the line, I forget the line, but she has this line after he shows up at her apartment and she has seen him and they have this back and forth conversation where he sort of puts his cards on the table that he was in a relationship when he first met her, but he lied about it, not knowing that this was ever going to lead to anything other than this one night at the club. And then she has this moment where she sort of like admits to like, you know, her follow going to this town, Somerset that he lived in in upstate New York to like try and stop this wedding because you thought upstate maybe New York, baby, we're in California. I'm so this sorry. Is- <laughs> um, this in, is cla- classic. No. <laughs> you um, never know where you are, goddammit. I don't. I don't. Um, <laughs> this is California. They were in San Francisco. Exactly. You think they're driving, you think they're driving three and a half hours to upstate New York? Yeah, totally. So <laughs> they. So there's a moment there where she's in the apartment after he leaves, and we think, are they not going to be together? And then she's like, "She, what is she? It's a, such a stupid line. She says, like, God, I can't remember the line. I'm horrible like, my job. But- Let's not I'm gonna be go afraid. Outside. No, she's uh, talking. She's alone. She's in the foyer of her building. No, and I know. And she says to herself, like, don't be afraid or something. Yeah, stupid I'm not going like to be afraid. I'm not going to be afraid anymore or something like that. Yeah. And then like, but in like the bloopers at the end, it's Cameron Diaz. And she's like, <laughs> I'm not going to be afraid. And you can hear everybody <laughs> laughing. And I just thought like, 
it was so funny to me because it was like, okay, so she gets it. So she knows that this is, so Cameron Diaz, the actress, like she gets it. She knows that this is ridiculous. She's laughing all the way to the bank. But like, that's so funny because when I saw that, I was like, oh, she's trying too hard to be funny. Like, why did we have such a different experience with this? Oh, you mean like the blooper outtake part? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, really? That's how you felt? I was like, oh, she's just trying to impress the crew. And she's I thought, not even that funny. I thought, oh, Cameron's so charming. <laughs> but I mean, and, and here's here's the other thing though that we have to mention. Mm-hmm. I support women and um and oh. artists that are trying to do creative work. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes even if you're mm-hmm. gonna fail, fail big, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. probably part of it. And we haven't talked about that part of it. You have a thing um about watching women win, right? You have a but you have a lot of things. You mm-hmm. have how dare you on my own you goddamn podcast. Thing, this is the last time I, I invite you on. You're here. a guest. You're a special guest. You are um, absolutely you a special guest. Have all sorts of things. Um and I've <laughs> overlooked some of them to let you be on this podcast because I knew how bad you needed this. Mm-hmm. Um I'm gonna be rethinking some stuff though and I'm gonna really, really have to go back mm-hmm. to the drawing board. I am gonna have to do a reformatting of this podcast because I kind of sort of let you run amok, you know. You get those crayons and you you reformat all you need to, kiddo. Um, but I'll be making the big the big kid decisions over here um, while you're doing the fictional ones. Um, you know what you should do while I'm reformatting the podcast? Why don't you? Why don't you count the teeth in the mouth of fish? How about that? That's what you do for me. That's what you do for me, since you're so... How dare you remember that? Okay, I'll do it. I'll expose myself since you brought it up. All right. Brandon and I were hanging out this weekend. We had some... Heavy petting, as we do. We were watching a horror movie, a horror movie called Piranha, starring the great Richard Dreyfuss and uh, Adam Scott and (laughs) Elizabeth Shue. Don't forget her. It's on Netflix. I think it came out in 2010. Um, And we were watching, and I felt while we were, it's about the fish, the fish piranha, you've heard of them. And. How should I put this? I was in a place with friends who are family and family who are friends, right? And I thought I was safe. And I posed a question to the group and I said You didn't even you didn't pose a question. You made a statement. There's a difference. <laughs> I said, I said, I thought piranhas were the only fish with teeth. Nope. And That's yes, not what you said. That is what, what I you, said. What you said was you didn't say I thought. You said no. Piranhas are the only fish with teeth. No, 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 no. no. I didn't make it the statement because I, I wasn't. You said, I thought you said it was bear. I thought you said. Didn't you say barracudas? Okay, you. Okay, so first of all, you kept calling the piranhas barracudas. Yeah. And... Don't let her. Don't let her throw this red herring out. Don't let her distract and you from no, the issue. No. Hand. <laughs> because you. Because our hands are not clean. Both of our hands are dirty on this oh, one. Turn that so... Really quick. It's going to be her urinating, but you said she tried to drag me down with her, and that's why she's toxic. He kept calling them cudas. You got to watch for these barracudas. Blah blah blah. And I said, "Those aren't barracudas. I thought. I thought." Piranhas were the only fish with teeth, so they couldn't be barracudas. And he turned and looked at me like I had sprouted a second head. And he was like, you dumb bitch. And so I Googled it. Turns I did not say you dumb bitch. <laughs> no, no, no. Your face did, though. Yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> and he, I Googled it. Turns out I was wrong. And I humbly accepted my defeat in that moment. It's a bit more. There's a bit more nuance to it. Jane's wife. <laughs> 
<laughs> a good friend of mine, a close, a close confidant who I respect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She spoke up and she said, what, like, what are you, she said, what do you mean? You dumb, <laughs> dumb idiot. She and, would never. Um, and, um, and she said that that makes no sense. She was like, you don't. She's like, you know, like salmon have teeth, though. Like, what are you talking about, my stupid, stupid wife? And I said, whoa, 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 that's a lot. And she said, but is it not? Does she not deserve it? And I said, of course she does. We're in agreement. But I was like, the energy. And she was like, well, I'll, I'll, I'll keep a hold of mine the way I keep a hold of mine. You worry about yours. And I was like, fair enough. Um, and she said, you're a saint for for putting up with her to me. Mm. And I started crying because I had never been acknowledged for the labor that I put into this relationship. And I said, mm-hmm. thank you so much. Thank you so much for seeing it, Queen. And uh, Jane, after Tara made that very, very intelligent statement, Jane <laughs> got this look on her face, quizzical. And then she pulled out her smartphone and she was like, did that thing that you do when somebody said something true and you're not ready to like calm to the floor 100%? And she did a quick little Google search. It's called a quiet... Google search. I wish you could see. I wish you could see. Jane quite quit from that conversation is what happened. I wish you could have seen her face because it was like full on. Let me let me look at let me before I put any pressure on the group. Let me go ahead and look this up real quick. And then it was that moment where somebody sort of like they just you feel it leave them. You feel the tension leave their body because and then they just don't want to they don't want anybody to see them. The fight is gone. The fight's gone. There is no fight. And Jane just sort of sat back on the couch. And I thought, hmm, I've never known this one to quiet down. So I knew that she had discovered something new. And the more you know, the more you know, as they told us as children. I will say most of that is revisionist history, mm. except except for me quiet Googling and being confronted with the truth. And then quietly trying to put my tail between my legs just settling back on that couch baby and watching the movie and i was done i didn't want to have a conversation anymore and who was in my house bringing it up every five minutes who was that remind me i don't remember there was a lot of people it there. Was you. there were so many people jane and you were so drunk i remember at some point i had to go get you some anything to drink i had to go get you that coffee remember <laughs> i begged you to sober up again um, just the rewriting of, you know, everything that went down. And um, luckily, my my beautiful, perfect wife who edits this podcast will yes. go ahead and um, make sure the truth is. Shout truth out to the editor and shout out prevails. to what she does for the podcast and what she does for my friend. Shout um, out to her in every way. Baby. She puts up so much, so much. <laughs> um but you know who also puts up with quite a lot? Our gals in this movie. Um, we also haven't really talked about... <laughs> we talk about that first scene, this club. We've got a lot of sparkle mm. tops. We also have like a weird like waterbed almost like in the middle of the club for some reason. Yeah, I feel like that was a thing in the early 2000s, late 90s, <laughs> but they were like, let's put beds in the middle of, of clubs. Like, I feel like, wasn't there a club in New York called like Bed? You know what I've just realized? What? I have never been to a straight club. I don't think in my entire life. Oh, is that true? You know, I have definitely. I don't. I don't know when I would have. It's like not a thing that I remember really doing. No, I feel like we went to some in our twenties. Like Did after I? you, I feel like I feel like maybe. I, don't know, I feel like there's always the gays around. Another I mean, certainly. 
certainly it was gay heavy, but there were nights we went to uh, at least Maybe. I, there were nights where I went to straight clubs with straight people and, you know, I will say to... a few and few and far between. Um, yeah. But it I mean, looks like they're bigger. <laughs> I will say they're bigger and they seem to have, they, I mean, I've never been to a massive club like this before. So that was one of my things. And I feel like I've been there for like, I don't know. God, I don't remember my 20s, to be honest again. with you. Like, that's no, the takeaway from this don't. movie. We don't. <laughs> I'm going to see don't. if I can find some some of your old camisoles. Um, <laughs> throw them on you. <laughs> I a, did wear a lot of camisoles, but so did every, a, a every taxi. girly. Mm-hmm. See if I can find your blunt bangs and uh, paste those back on top. Um, but, I did have a very intense blunt bang period. I liked I, it. I also had like thoughts during this movie about all of the things that were referenced that I was like, if I was like 16 right now, I would have to like Google so many things. Like this like is a what? period piece, baby. Like movie phone. Like a 16 year old oh, doesn't know what movie oh, oh, phone is. Yeah, 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 totally. That was it's just like, absolutely. Yeah. It's so hard to think about how much of a different generation we are. Like, so I haven't talked, I don't know if I've ever talked to a 16 year old in this age, but like, not legally, I, not anymore. I'm not, but those <laughs> orders are still in place, I think. <laughs> I just These judges don't aren't know. messing around anymore, Jane. Like, did you see those? Um, I think I sent you the TikTok of that those kids seeing a landline for the first Girl, time. I sent that to you. Okay. Well, I sent it to some other people too. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's one of that. Nothing has hurt me as much on the internet as that hurt me. <laughs> These I didn't know whether to like, laugh or cry. I've never known <laughs> how old I am. If you didn't know, it was a video. It was these young girls. Their mother was filming them, and they were, I'm assuming, at like maybe an older relative or friend's home who had yeah, a, who still like had like a landline, and they like didn't understand what they were. And then the mom was like explaining, "Oh, you can pick it up, and you can like call. You can call people on it." And she was like, "Can I call you?" And she was like, "Yeah." And she's like, "What what happens if I put your number in this phone that's connected to the wall?" And she's like, my phone's going to ring. And she's like, really? And she's like, yeah. And they go to like the other phone, which isn't a rotary phone, but it looks like a rotary phone, but it's still pushed yeah. out. And mm-hmm. then like her sister like calls from the other phone and like then she Their picks up the cell phone. Their excitement is unbelievable. It is They're so like, sweet. oh my God, it worked. It's very cute. It's, it's so just, sweet. It's so yeah. pure. And so and I'm like, a it's two so minds. painful to watch. Exactly. I'm like mm-hmm. closing all the blinds at the same time, lathering my face in cold cream and <laughs> canceling all my appointments for tomorrow. Um, so it's a lot going on. So yeah. mm-hmm. I was really, I was hurting, you know, but then mm-hmm. I had to rem- remind myself, you know, those are pretty much gone, but you know, you're like you're 10, 12, remember? People start getting rid of them. You were basically the same thing as them. No, you're old. <laughs> Deal with it. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, celebrate it celebrate celebrate we made it. this bar celebrate you know that you ma- you made it <laughs> you you're you here made it. You, and um, and you're the you that you've always wanted to be that's what ish ish uh, that's what my close enough adjacent that's what my mom always you know my mom's always like i'm so i'm just so grateful that i made it another year and i'm like oh, i want that i want that feeling yeah, maybe that, that comes feeling, after yeah. 50 though where i'm just I like i think so yeah i did it uh <laughs> As my, as my, as I stand up, as I stand up from a chair and it sounds like Ova Redenbacher is <laughs> cooking in the microwave. All of the snap crackles and pops that come out of my Those body. Those knees popping. puts Rice Krispies <laughs> to shame. And I'm like I, looking around look. the room, hoping nobody noticed. Just throw, just throw a water bottle across the room for diversion. 
it's just like these talcum bones I got. I I started this podcast with a neck pain and a pillow problem. Like it's not because I'm you know, I'm too athletic that I hurt my neck. You've been doing too many on the damn burpees. I told you about that shit. mm -hmm, I gotta stop doing my burpees and stop all that shadow boxing too, Jane. I know. I really gotta stop. It's really bad for my. You need a massage. Is what you need. You know what? I've been saying it so. Let's see if we can work something out for you. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know what? Who's massaging quite a bit in this story? We got some massaging of the truth going on. When Christina, played by Mm -hmm. Lequem, Ron Diaz, um, Mm -hmm. she gets a hold of a reluctantly blonde Thomas Jane. Um, The blonde is so bad. I definitely was like, why why did we let a lot of people have this like bad? Here's the thing. Everybody doesn't need to be blonde. Number one. Okay. No. And Hollywood needs to know. And it's this weird blonde that like a lot was happening a lot. I feel like in the early aughts and it's like, this isn't good blonde because it's like a blonde that doesn't know what it wants to be. It's not blonde. blonde. It looks like it's on. It's looks like it's maybe like on its way to red, but like got lost. I don't know what's going on. There's like a copper undertone. That's what it is. It doesn't look good. It doesn't look good with his skin tone. It doesn't look good with whatever he's wearing. I just, Thomas Jane is a very handsome man, but I do not like his look in this movie. Because you also, you like know it's supposed, you know what it's supposed to be. And the thing is, it's not a natural hair color. No. That's the thing. It looks so unnatural on him. And unless you're a person who like, that's a part of the story and you want this weird color and like, you don't want it to look natural, but he's, we're supposed to believe that this is a blonde headed man. Exactly. And (laughs) the math ain't mathin' because this... (laughs) This blonde is on struggle. And because we know he was sitting on her foils for hours for that shit. And I was gonna and I was wondering, Dave and I were like talking about it, obviously, and we were wondering if it was like reluctant blonde because like his hair didn't take. Like, or because he didn't leave the or because the peroxide or the bleach wasn't left in for long enough. No, I think it was a choice. Oh, they were like, this is good. No, we love this yeah. rust color. Yeah. Um, so this is a rusty blonde. Um, so that's happening. And then we get this like, we get we get a lot in this first scene. And one thing I wrote in my notes early on, because you gave me quite a bit of grief for this movie. But this felt like a Caucasian version of Two Can Play That Game to me. <laughs> it did. And I, I was like, it's, what it's in the Shantae re- is going on? It's really interesting that you brought that up because I thought that several times throughout this movie. And I actually liked Two Can Play at this game. Oh, I thought you didn't like it. No, no. I liked that movie. I think I liked it. Well, I don't know. Now I'm going back and forth. Like, I think I had higher hopes for this movie than I did for Two Can Play That Game. And I also felt like Two Can Play That Game was so ridiculous to me that, like, again, I had that experience where I was like, this isn't even real. Whereas I expected this, the sweetest thing, to be at least semi-real because in my 15-year-old Your brain, brain. Yeah. I okay, well, I I don't know, sick is the word I my okay. 15-year-old brain. Cool. I thought this is what it's like to be an adult. And then seeing it again, I was like, oh, this is so ridiculous. I can't believe I thought that. So you also did say to me that you have that you sometimes have issues with black lead casts 
being in films without a white anchor. Is that the word that you used? So that may have been a part of why that one didn't quite resonate with you as well. Um, right? I do not ever remember saying that or thinking okay. that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but baby, if I, if, if you say I said it, I said it. Okay. Wow. Okay. Wow. Y'all get her. That's you know where actually, to find her. You know, actually, nope. You actually, know where to find her. <laughs> you can find her at MWM chat at the on, Twitter account. On Twitter. The most active Twitter on the internet. Le- legally, they're legally allowed. We tweet as much as we, as the government will let us tweet. There's a, we have a threshold that we hit and I'm, then I'm getting texts from, um, from Pelosi. Mm. And mm-hmm. she's like, get off. <laughs> and Pelosi in her 80s is absolutely the person fucking governing our Twitter account. For you sure. get a direct tweet. If you're doing too much, if you're tweeting too hard in one day, you'll get a tweet. It just is too hard. Get off. <laughs> and I know what that means. From, from Pelosi. And you know it's her because you, she DMs a picture of herself with today's paper to prove that it's actually her on the fucking phone. Literally just giving, <laughs> literally like just hostage iconography. <laughs> <laughs> to prove it. To prove it. We love to see it. That hair is we love teased to, see it. to the moon too, baby. Um, and she's giving you that that reluctant, like, limperous clap. Um, <laughs> but yeah, very that. Uh, but no, this movie, it's not the same as Two Can Play That Game because it's like, her rules are a lot more loosey-goosey here. She really just has one, Absolutely. which is like, be open to like anything and don't let yourself be bogged down. As she sort of like, obviously like, early on in the movie we've we sort of are using um the selma blair's uh character for the purposes of like making that clear that we do not want for these we don't want for jane oh there we go our namesake we don't want for jane Mm -hmm. to be bogged down uh by relationships so it's like just be open to what happens just be with right mr right now and if that leads to something great then like you be be happy about that. But if not, then you had fun and you didn't get hurt. So like, that's very much like where we are in this movie. And like, it's, it's, but like one of the overall things about this movie also, Jane mentioned it in her synopsis was that like, careers are like so not defined in this film and like exactly the one- but they're supposed to be like really career i felt like they were trying to be like we work as hard as we play but then it's like nobody works <laughs> they're also like we don't want to bore you with those scenes so like we're just going to take them right. out and there are the, there's the scenes i love that like christina applegate's the only character i feel like they really acknowledge works well no we, mm-hmm. we acknowledge that jane works but christina applegate's in a lot of these like pinstripe pantsuits from like the early aughts to like remind mm-hmm. you and she shows up for like the drinks that like she's coming from the office baby and she she's has just deal. come from the office and, and the she office is-, is always a bear when she when she arrives she's exhausted from a day at the office and she just wants Absolutely. to live. well she's a divorce lawyer so nice. she knows where this all goes and she doesn't have time to have anything but fun because all she sees is relationship tragedies at work and she collects a lot of money but she's on this in the same boat as um Christina Walters because she's like, you know what? And this is all me just guessing from the fact that they say she's a divorce lawyer <laughs> in the first 30 seconds take of it, this fucking Take it and run with it, girl. <laughs> but that's what I feel like they're trying to do. Being like oh. 
she just that just describing her character that she way. She doesn't want to do it. Yeah. No. And also, it's really there. With well, the funniest scene in the movie to me. Do you know what the funniest scene in the movie is? What do you do? You have an opinion? I'm curious. Uh, the funniest scene in the movie? No, I want to. I'm. I, I don't know what you're gonna say. The funniest scene in the movie. I think. I think objectively. The funniest scene in the movie, because you know that can be obje- I can be objective about this, is the scene where Selma Blair has to take this dress to the cleaners. She yes. wore this dress. That is that is very Monty Python esque. Yes, actually, that is that, very. Yes. I think that's one of those moments, and I'm like, I get, mm-hmm. I get what the writer, what Pimentel is talking about, because that's yeah. a scene that captures it. It's like it leaves. It's about sex or or sexual act, but it leaves the world because it builds to such a degree that yes. you are now so aware of the fact that you're in like a hyper reality sort of like state. And I think there are other Mm -hmm. scenes that hint at it, but I think this is the most successful as far as understanding like her vision. It's a scene where, uh, yeah, where Selma has borrowed, who does she borrow the dress from? Which one of them? Okay. I have a couple of questions actually. Okay. Do do they all live together? It is so unclear who lives in the house. I thought the same thing at the end of the movie. I was like, Mm -hmm. they all live together, but it was was not clear earlier in the film. (sighs) Okay, there are several moments where they all wake up there, which is like, okay, maybe. That's happened a lot in your 20s, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Wake up at your friend's place. But, like, you don't see anybody's specific bedroom. And, but there's, in the beginning of the movie, when they first are going home after work, they find Jane crying on the couch by herself. Mm Mm-hmm. Door ajar, by the way, which to me was the most wild thing. You're sitting. We literally in... used to do the same thing, Jane. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> now that you fucking said it, that is actually too. Brandon and I used to live across the hall from each other, and we left our door door ajar all the time. <laughs> all the time, like it I... is wild <laughs> that we did that. Okay, never mind. I will rescind that comment. But I don't know if she lives there or she just went to her friend's house to visit. She's got a key. She can let herself in. Um, it gives, at no- the end of the movie, I felt I, it felt like they lived together. I when they were coming so. home from that from that from the failed, you know, trip to Somerset, and there's and clearly like Jane has borrowed this dress. I think it was I think it was Christina's dress. Jane, I think. It's a leopard dress that Jane was wearing when she meets this guy who becomes a recurring character um, at the Christina, club. That, you think it's Christina Applegate's dress? No, I think I'm sorry. I think it was Chris. I think it was Christina Cameron Diaz's Christina's dress. Oh, I thought it was Christina Applegate's. Maybe you're right. It, it's one of their dresses, and it's not 100 mm-hmm. percent clear whose it is. But like, she's got it in this bag discreetly. She's got to take it to the cleaners. Then they pull the dress out. They see that it has a stain on it from. Um, a, g- a gentleman's arrival um and <laughs> so they it's a jizz stain <laughs> um it is um a, a gentleman reached, arrival <laughs> a gentleman who reached the apotheosis of pleasure um and his body bore the signature of it mm-hmm. um and so mm-hmm. did her dress um mm-hmm. But she's got this dress and they're, they start like she's like embarrassed and she's like, I'm so sorry. I'm taking it to the cleaners to get it clean. And then they play a quick round of keep away with the dress. And all I can think <laughs> is like, you do not like be careful where that hand lies. Okay? You could not pay me enough to do that because I wouldn't want to touch someone else's jizz that I didn't know. Exactly. And they're just like palming it. I'm like, I also okay. love I love the phrase someone else's jizz. What does that even mean for you, Jane? <laughs> I don't know. 
hell? Just someone's jizz. A I just stranger imagine you having your own like jizz stranger. jar. You're like, this is stuff I collected on my own. This is mine. This is for me. I just mean somewhat a stranger's ejaculate. I don't okay. want to touch it, and neither do you. Hot take. Jane doesn't want to touch a stranger's ejaculate. Um, <laughs> and so they're playing the keep away, and then she gets to this cleaners, and like she's trying to like she tries to drop it off real slick and just leave a note on the counter with like her name and her information, <laughs> and then the, the the cleaners the cleaners uh, manager who knows her by name comes out and is like and like knows hey. her family. Knows her family and is like, hey, Jane, the dress. He's like, there any stains? Is there anything under I need to know about? And she's like, no, 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 no. You good, you good. And he's like, what's this? What's this stain right here? And he's like trying to figure out what the stain is. And then like her like, then like a school field trip comes in. They're they're apparently, what? He's looking at stain, trying to find what it is. He takes his finger and starts scraping it. Well, like, yeah, he lightly starts scraping it. And then a group of kids come in on a field trip. That is so much worse to well, me than accidentally touching it while keeping, well, playing I mean, keep I'm, away. I mean, I'm getting, yeah, like, so he comes in, that happens. This, the, the group of kids come in with their teacher who's given Mrs. Frizzle teas. And mm-hmm. she, it turns out to have been Jane's, like, elementary school teacher who hasn't seen her in years. So they're all looking around. She wants these kids to see the, the cleaners at work baby and so she's like check out this look what he's t- look at listing look what he's working on and he's scraping at it and then he starts <laughs> sniffing it and i think he tastes it at one point <gasps> yes oh he my tastes god it at one point. and then the priest oh the god. local priest comes in just to just to say hello and check out the hat see if everybody's back in the habit and he comes in <laughs> and he is jane's like childhood priest so like jane's surrounded by like all of these like figures from her childhood <laughs> and a school a school of children and it's like he's holding this this nutty dress that she just brought in it is such a funny scene though i just love the way it keeps building until you're like okay so we're not in reality um it's great it's really it's one of the funny it is the funniest scene in the movie for sure that's a really funny scene there's also the scene where like after she meets um oh my god i can't believe his name is escaping me peter peter after she meets peter donahue um after she meets him, she's sort of daydreaming about him. And there's a scene where they are... You okay? Yeah, sorry. I just had a neck pain. Um, and uh, there she's daydreaming about him, like, going down on her. And he <laughs> shares with her in the daydream as he comes up from, you know, the source of life. Um, he shares with her that, you know, men actually hate blowjobs. They just want to go down on women. And she's like, oh, I always suspected that, but... I never knew it. So thank you for that truth. And he's like, absolutely. <laughs> and then she starts eating ice cream and he goes back and he proceeds to continue to go down on her. A, a bellboy brings an ice cream. She starts eating this massive like Sunday and he continues to go down on her. And I just thought that's too many things at one time for me. I have the exact same note. It's all I good. Said, it's it's all, all good. Everybody's enjoying each element of it, but to have to concentrate, I think on one or the other would be um, my preference. It's a lot. Yeah, it'd be a lot. Yeah. And so they're doing You're that. your focus. Yes. In a way that can be difficult to finish either. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> pleasure's the name of the game. Um, but she's thinking about him. She's dreaming about him. He's in her subconscious. And, like, he's very much on her mind. And, like, we can't stress enough at this point that, like, the interaction between them was quite literally – Jane, her friend crying, her grabbing a random guy who's who who walks by, trying to make a connection between them, him sort of like, you know, politely excusing himself and saying he's not interested. And then Christina turning to Jane and saying, oh, that guy's a fucking asshole. 
<laughs> and he says, excuse me? <laughs> it just it was just funny. I don't know. That that was, was a moment funny. that felt very like real in this way. It was like it's like it's just it was a good casually it was a talk shit about you. Great rom com meet cute where it's like she literally turns around to his friends and her friend and goes like, Don't worry about it, that guy's a dick. And he goes, I'm sorry, did you just call me a dick? <laughs> and it was just and a you. great it is a really great and I felt um like authentic moment. You and know? you're like and you're like, you know, these two have to end up together now. Um mm. and also we hadn't mentioned yet, but we find out that he says he's here with mm. his brother, who is played by the Jason Bateman. Iconic, um, Jason Bateman. Iconic. Uh, like a year like a year before arrested development too so he was like very much on the you know child star like career resurgence and i wonder if him and christina connected over that i gotta imagine that they did Mm, i'm Um, sure dave brought up how like on smartless like at this point i think jason bateman had like sort of gone through like rehab facilities and things like that and he was you know Mm. on his sober journey but he but he brings up he listens to the smartless podcast which is jason bateman will arnett and sean hayes Mm -hmm, it's the three mm -hmm. of them and he was talking about how like all the time like jason bateman just throws out like the most random crazy stories about like his life in like the 80s and he'll just like mention some wild night with like Corey feldman and everybody's like what happened and it's like Mm -hmm. god hollywood was just the wild west like y'all were just running so crazy it's like y'all were doing your thing tatum o'neill and was doing her thing like drew barrymore (laughs) nobody's watching her (laughs) Um, it was just like everybody was just doing what they wanted and it's like all these like teenagers were just coked up running around LA and like (laughs) nobody was like Like, honestly I don't know I do do remember like an interview with like Jojo the R&B singer where she talked about because she started Mm -hmm. relatively young and she talked about how like she was really grateful that like she was able to go through like those early like teen years like mm. not in the public eye she was like it like the internet wasn't quite the thing the way that it is and like social media yeah. wasn't quite what it is and she was like i had some messy nights like some crazy mm-hmm. messy nights and i'm so glad like did not get documented and end up on yeah. like Brad Hilton or like tmz so it's mm-hmm. like i'm sure all of this stuff happened and all of the all of, everybody was in on it but it's like where are you doing it who's documenting it and i mean that's probably what it came down to but i was really would when you feel i mean yeah well i'm just thinking like there was like a period of time where i feel like as a society we were really really obsessed with young hollywood and their partying antics and like getting pictures of them on nights out and stuff like that and like Perez hilton like those bloggers were so popular yeah and now i feel like <clears throat> I don't know because I don't really engage with it in the same way that I did at the time because I was like ferociously reading that stuff too and like part of the major problem as well but like then you have like all of those people who really suffered like horrible like fates and like you know from the cycle of that you know Mm -hmm. like Amy Winehouse and and people like that Um, but now I don't think that like if that's happening like i don't think it's the same thing maybe it probably looks a lot different now and also yeah isn't that like somebody was talking about this recently like the article that was saying that like the the gen zers are like not like they're not doing all that like they're not having mm-hmm. crazy sex and they're not like 
all this stuff, like they're, they're focused on different things now, which I thought was yeah. really interesting. And I also like wonder like how true that is. Like, I, I think yeah. that maybe the ways in which things are happening and like, it's probably a lot more like maybe like insular, like some of those, some of the communities that they've created now to mm-hmm. combat like social media. It's like, they're probably not going out for a raucous night at like at a, a club in the same right. way that maybe a photo of like, obviously like a Paris Hilton and like Brittany and like Lindsay Lohan, you yeah. know, stumbling out of a club together, like that kind of moment. I don't know if they're, if they're sort of moving through the world in that way, or if they've gotten a lot more sort of like private and like closed off or probably in a way learned from some of that as well, because that was mm-hmm. like right before them. And it probably also has to speak to like parents, obviously. And like adults who maybe aren't parental figures, but, like help sort of manage their careers and things who are like creating like safer environments and like ways for them to like communicate and engage with people that aren't necessarily like for public consumption. You know what I mean? Yeah. But do you, but I guess my question is like, do you think we as a society are also engaging with that type of celebrity in a different way? Whereas we're not ferociously consuming like people's downfall in the same way. I was never, that was never my thing really. Like, like I knew about it, but I'm just saying like, it wasn't really. So I kind of don't know that. I don't feel like it's, I I, I don't think that it's the same though. I think that people are probably like, I think now also like these bloggers are being held to higher standards too, though. That's, that's what I mean. Like, like Perez Hilton couldn't exist. I mean, I think it's still around, but not in the same way. I'm sure. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Is like we aren't as as a, and I say we, I don't mean you and me specifically. I just mean like as a society, we aren't like, oh, we aren't okay with the same like making fun mm. of and damaging people in that way and saying yeah. horrible things about it and making people who are possibly going through something difficult like a punchline. I, I feel think like, the aftermath of a lot of that, and I think the conversations yeah. around mental health and things like that are a lot more on the table than they ever were before. So I think that like people are a lot more quick to be like, this person is clearly like dealing with some sort of like distress or like, you know, how dare you document that? You know, I Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it even, you know, it even happened. I think that now two people are just, and it doesn't, it's not completely fixed, but I think that people are now calling certain things to the floor in a different way, but it is interesting to think about like, but I also, it's like, I don't even really know what's happening. Cause like, I don't like engage with like TMZ anymore or anything like that. So it's like, I, you know, I realized my own, like participation I mean, in that up. you were around you know? the same age as the people that those Absolutely. things you know what i mean you were younger than yeah. some of them too so yeah. it's like you were just they were contemporaries there were people that you grew up with watching on television and like listening to totally. their music so mm-hmm. and the internet opened up the possibility of like and it opened it up right around our like youth early adulthood yeah that, because when we were in high school even i don't think that that stuff was around no, in the same way it was like I never, yeah end of college beginning of sort of like early adulthood that that like mm-hmm. that world sort of like opened up in the way that it did and like all mm-hmm. of that information sort of started presenting itself on the internet in the way that it did so like that's a big part of it too it was new and then it's like right. you go through your phases of like oh this isn't new anymore and actually like after having a moment to sort of like sit with it and marinate on it it's like oh this isn't the way that I want to engage with the world. And we've also watched like the real life implications of that type of like journalism, totally. which is still yeah. happening by the way. Like of people, course, it's of still course. happening when people do things that are horrible. Like it is still documented, but I do think that like now there is like a mindfulness that wasn't there before. Right. Um, and the things that go viral are of a different nature. You know what I mean? Part. 
Yeah. But yeah, but I think that like it was really funny seeing like Jason Bateman in this film because he's so young. Yes. And like and it's such a like I mean he does he play plays parts like this. He's the most obnoxious character in this movie, by he, the way. He does play <laughs> the most obnoxious character in the movie. And like there's a lot of like really funny moments. Him and Thomas Jane, they they're brothers and they have this granddad who is like out of control. And he's walking <laughs> around in this who farted t-shirt. <laughs> and every time somebody brings up grandma, he's like Argh. I don't I like didn't get that bit really because I was like what is that? It's like, like because it's unf- it's not fully formed. It's like it's not we, fully formed. We didn't know this family well enough to like really understand what was care. happening. And also, the yeah. lines aren't funny enough. Like no, the lines could not. have been funnier to make that more of like a moment, you know? Absolutely. Um, but they they really try. Um, <laughs> and so that's like a big part of it as as well. And <laughs> yeah, it's like they want us to understand that these are the men of the film. But it's not about them, you know. It's about it's about the gals, and we have obviously we've talked about Christina, we we talked about uh, Christina and Cameron, but we also have Selma who plays Jane, and like yes. she sort of that night at the club that she's on the rebound, she meets this guy who sort of becomes her guy, like <laughs> in the movie kind of. And there's a scene where like she's he's supposed like, to be like cute and dumb, and cute he is. and dumb and very hung, <laughs> and like he goes to the bathroom and she comes out of the room and she's like, "Do you guys have any Advil?" And she like pats her vagina. Um, uh, and also, like, rem- also reminds I, them that he's stupid as well in this moment. Absolutely, and I think like what is not in the movie, but what's in the final cut is like that he is a huge dick, and so it hurts to have sex with him, and yeah, that's why she's patting her vagina and wants Advil. And there's a moment where like he comes to her workplace, and she works at retail, like Jane mentioned earlier, and it's like like our Jane here, Jane Hammer mentioned earlier. He comes to her like place of employment, and he's in this like. This was not, Pimentel mentioned this was not in the script, baby. This was something the director added in. But he's in this, like, it almost is, it reads almost like a furry scene. Because it's like, he's in this, like, he's in this, like, Barney and Friends inspired outfit. Um, No baby bop in sight. And he is, he shows up at her work and they decide to have a quickie upstairs in one of the, like, fitting rooms. And then her, like... Oh my god! It bothered me too because I was like, "You're really gonna have sex at work, like in like, this why? way? Why? Why are we doing why? this?" And, and yeah. also, like her because she's running the show because her boss is out of town. Her boss, who is like, who is like just the vitriolic homosexual, like he shows up and he's angry for no reason, and he's like, "Why aren't you on the floor?" And it's like, "There's not a customer to be found." Exactly. Okay? My coworker was down here, and I was handling business upstairs. Okay, <laughs> we have to divide and conquer today. Um, but there was like a lot of like those moments. And then there's this moment where Christina and Cam are like in the, on this road trip and they discovered this like maggot covered burrito that oh, they decided God. to throw out the window and then it does a boomerang and comes back and slams the windshield and it's all screams and it's disgusting. <laughs> and it leads them to have to go to like they, they stop at this like rest stop. And they, they, the, they, the women's bathroom is being occupied by this woman who is given too much information about what's going on in there. <laughs> I know. Like, why are you it's giving them like, information? You don't, we don't need to know. <laughs> they like knock on the door and they're like, uh, first of all, she goes, it's going to be a while. And, th- and then the girls are like, how long? Which I think is an inappropriate <laughs> it's, question. It's a weird <laughs> question. It's a weird question in your home for like your, yeah. your spouse to ask you. I don't know. Exactly. I don't know. Don't I'm hoping dare it, ask I'm, me. I'm hoping I'm in that. I'm hoping I'm in the, the last leg. Just I'm like you are. I'm hoping it's in and out, baby. <laughs> um, and then they go into the men's bathroom. And Dave said, because we'd sort of like 
sensed, I guess, the vibe of the film, Dave yeah. said there's going to be a glory hole. And uh, <laughs> if my husband knows anything, he, kn- he, know- he knows he when knows the glory hole is. He knows where to find around. the glory holes. And, yeah. he said it, and, I, and when he said it, I thought, what a crazy thing. What a crazy thing to think that there's going to be a glory hole. And mm-hmm. a second later, there was a glory hole. And <gasps> one of the it- things I hated about this scene is the fact that, like, Cameron Diaz's character follows, like, a drawing of a cat or something it's like a yellow brick road it's like follow the yellow brick road and it's a yellow brick road that leads a cat i don't know because she's doing this weird like voice and commentary while she's like following the yellow brick road with her finger yeah it was was just like i was like why are you talking like that i was like i didn't like it i was like this is so weird you're trying to be like fun i don't get it i didn't get it at all and then as she gets to the to the to the the mouth of at the end of the road at the hole in the wall she's like what's this hole and we've got christina applegate who's who was pissing in the urinal outside (laughs) because i guess she couldn't wait for the toilet i know which maybe she couldn't honestly maybe she couldn't you don't know also yeah, maybe she really had to go, but maybe I also really like, sink would have been better. Don't understand? Yeah, I don't understand how she was going to the bathroom was, in that. It's a we- she's in a weird position. She's got her skirt hiked <laughs> up, and she's like, and I'm like, there's no way that your legs aren't touching like the lip of that urinal. Like, there's yeah, no way that exactly. you're levitating it's- above it. Like, so she's she, but she's trying to like flush it, which she's really concerned with for some reason in this disgusting bathroom. Like, yeah, it's like flushing just, it. And if I it's yellow, the- let it mellow, girl. <laughs> as we know, Jane, you still got that T-shirt. Um, and so as she's fig, I'm thinking that that hole i'm still thinking that there's gonna be a bunch of water that fly i think in the water from she's gonna mess with this hole she's gonna mess with this urinal keep jiggling the handle and then the water is gonna spew through that hole that cameron diaz is sort of like looking at quizzically that's what oh, i thought was gonna happen hilarious. and then a dick pops up and it's like where's this dick coming from because we're hitting them in the bathroom who's owning the dick like where does it come from is there like another is there a gas stall? station attendant that like fashioned yeah. this bathroom and was like hey i'm gonna set up a glory holes i can make some coin on the side um <laughs> but, but it's also like, making money but also yeah. what am i paying you for like the chance <laughs> that maybe there's yeah. a person with a, with a with a willing mouth on the other side because that's exactly. not there's, there's no guarantees with glory holes you know and that's no. what i always say there's no guarantees yeah. with glory holes the old I, and that's actually that is your twitter bio it is it is you know mm-hmm. among other things um mm-hmm. but yeah it, it is i have a lot of glory hole uh commentary you know, mm-hmm. on there, mm-hmm. you know, follow the yellow brick hole um, is a really big, big part of it. Um, that's your, that's your um, OnlyFans name. Look at you, yellow brick hole. You know me. I love Judy. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of this. Friend of. Friend of. Friend of Judy. Um, all of this happens. And then we get them like on the road. They make it to Somerset. And like. And, and like Christina Applegate, for some reason, has her hair in these ringlets that nobody asked for. That that also like couldn't have formed in the, like they get so. This, I know I said this earlier, but they get their hair soaked and their entire clothes soaked through. They're completely soaking wet, and their hair naturally dries perfectly. It, it's so awful. annoying. It's like- and like they have a quick movie montage that we mentioned um, where they play different characters. They got Flashdance. We've got Grease. Um, mm-hmm. We have uh, the Julia Roberts scene in the red dress from Pretty Woman. And that um, is very funny. <laughs> that is a very funny scene. That's also one of my, I mean, who am I? I sound like such a basic bitch. I was going to say it's one of my favorite <laughs> movie scenes. And it is. I don't care. It it's is. A, it's a classic. It's a, it's a classic moment. And you know what? It's a classic for a reason, people. Um, <laughs> already on the defense. So 
Um, I just don't want you guys to think I'm a basic bitch. Let me go. Let me go get my pumpkin spice latte, though. Uh, <laughs> One of the things that we have not mentioned is the. So we, I said in my synopsis, we realized that they're stumbling upon this wedding, or not mm-hmm. stumbling, they're very actively going to this yeah, wedding. Pursuing it. <laughs> to, to crash the wedding. And we get a little cameo with the bride, who we find Maybe. out is actually Peter's bride. And it turns out it's Parker fucking Posey. And I totally forgot about that. And she is so underutilized in this movie. She's very underutilized and she's wonderful as always. She's fantastic. She's one of the best parts of this movie. And the thing that they, they get to the altar and they're like, you know what? actually don't think we should get married it's like right after like right after uh christina and uh cameron leave they they're they're at the wedding because they think that he's like the best man and mm-hmm. they realize that he's the he's the groom and then they just slip out before like these two decide that they do not actually belong together and they head back to the city and cameron is like struggling to figure out like why she even did this you know obviously christina was really pushing for it but like she like she wants to she's trying to figure out what she wants really and like she gets mm-hmm. back to the city she what a girl wants just another christina in the mix oh, yeah. <laughs> um she gets to she gets back she go they're at the club again and she meets mm-hmm. this total like random dude on the club and they're having like a <laughs> moment of the dance floor he gives her his card because that's a thing and <laughs> she's like you know what maybe i'll take a chance on this and she goes over to the bar to talk to him and she's sort of pouring her heart out about like all of what's happened to her and like i went to this you know i went to this wedding in like a a town nearby i drove three hours i thought this guy was going to be the guy but it you know basically like helped me realize i got to take a chance you know i can't be afraid to and this guy just like gets up and walks off he's like oh all of this to get laid he this is one of my favorite points in the movie because i was fucking blown away this guy she's like she's being very earnest and honest and telling yeah very vulnerable exactly very vulnerable and she's like you know she's talking for maybe a minute like it's not even that long and he stands stands up in her in and screams in her face forget it <laughs> like it is too much like who does that to another person like at least you know i understand he's a jerk but like getting it was up just, and walking off without saying a word would have been like <laughs> a choice i mean but like he's just done and also it's like she is so out of your league sir like he 100% it was just so funny to me because I was like you got this like 10 talking to you and like you get the nerve to get up as she's talking you were maybe going to get some too if you had played your cards right but you exposed yourself you weren't ready to play that long game massage the situation you gotta hold that in you don't want to know your disgusted piece of shit till later um so that's till you you get yours till you get yours um, um, I do have a note here that says Cameron Diaz joyfully dancing in the club is triggering for me. I hate why? it. <laughs> I she's love like it. dancing by herself, like fucking feeling it. And you know I feel like she's this just was like, like her magic though. So grown and sexy in her moment. I was just like, get out of here. She's Cam. feeling her oats. 
Um, I mean, of course, she looks gorgeous and beautiful and hot. It probably just says more about me than it does about her. Dancing. But no, I mean, it, this 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 is a moment that I feel like, and this is like an image like that I like. I feel like this is something that we get. A, it actually reminded me of her in Charlie's Angels because it felt so mm. like of that. Like she was really known for that sort of like that joyous moment that she would like yeah, have on like carefree yeah, dancing. The thing that she does that somehow she sells and like I think yeah. it's a hard thing to sell. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, and then we get to like the apartment after this, and like we've got our guy. You know, he's waiting on the steps for his gal, even though it's so weird because they do not know anything about each That's the other. Thing. They don't know anything about each other, which I think is a part of the joke of the film in terms of like what this is. But I think they could have leaned into how funny it was more. The fact that like these two yes. don't know anything about each other. That would have been a great thing for us because it's like I needed a nod to that, you know, and then they end up. You know, obviously, spoiler alert, they end up together and we get like, and we know and that it's married. Yeah, like, and married. And we have this shot of them like all together, like basically the whole cast, like hanging out in their apartment now because things worked out. And there's like, we know that it's the times move forward because everybody's got different hairstyles, which is always yeah. so funny to me. Like, I know. Like, Cameron's now rocking like this beachy curl because like <laughs> life's worked out for her. And, and like, Christina's hair, hair is, is longer. So much, yeah. And so is um yeah Selma, Selma Blair's hair is way longer as well. Everybody's grown and um, yeah. Thomas Jane still has that blonde though. I they, think. Yeah, they they won't let it go. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and that's um then we you know it's all's well that ends well I guess. Uh, <laughs> we, hope. we hope. We hope. And that's that's the sweetest thing. That's the sweetest thing. And Brandon, I got a question. I got two questions for you actually. Uh, okay, throw it out. Um. A number one is would you watch that movie again? Oh yeah, I would. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Me too. I feel like I gave the impression that I didn't like this movie. I do like this movie. I just am seeing you can it like it and still have criticisms of it. Yes, yeah, which is like the basis of this whole podcast. Yeah. But I do just such a different experience with it. Um, okay, and then the second question I have is: Do you have? anything for me to watch next week or did you not do your job um i did my job you know um Mm. as you would expect Mm -hmm. uh and for this week um i Mm. have a movie for you um it is a movie from 1984 simply Mm. titled angel angel hmm i have no idea what that is it's um uh, 1984 or 1994? 1984. 1984, the year I was born. Okay. There we go. So you can get a little taste of what was what was being allowed to be released in theaters back then. <laughs> well, <laughs> fuck you. Um, I can't wait. I just pulled it up. I know not a single person from it. So it should be a wild ride. I can't wait. Oh, it's going to be a wild ride. Well, I am thrilled Thank you for talking about the sweetest thing with me, Brandon. You know, I love to do of it. Of course. And thank you, everybody, for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, and if you want to continue enjoying us in many different ways, you can follow us on social media at Movies We Missed on Instagram and 
Facebook, and you can find us on Twitter at MWN Chat. And we shall see you next week for <laughs> Angel Baby. <laughs> Thank you. Love you. Bye. 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 Solid. I can't believe that you haven't seen it. Love it so much you really gotta stream it. Let me tell you every line right now. I can quote the whole thing since I was 12. Maybe your mom told you no. She said she wouldn't give you any money to go. This is stuff I collected on my own. This is mine. This is for me.